This is Bottom of the Bill. So I was classically trained, and it was really difficult for me before to try to sit down at the keyboard and compose anything without thinking in terms of theory. Mm-hmm. And when you when you go through some some heavy times, you you really learn how to play with feeling. You just kind of let yourself go. It's that whole idea of learning something so well that you can just forget it. Chris has even told me on some nights at the jam, I can tell you're going through something right now because mm-hmm. I can hear it in the way that you're playing. Mm-hmm. That, I think, really has been the most beneficial thing. To me, music, good music, should evoke the feeling it's trying to communicate from its listener. Right. So if my intent is to express something that made me sad, if it doesn't make you sad in some way, I haven't done my job. There's like an honesty, I think, that has to shine through, mm-hmm. right? Do you feel like now you're able to be more honest on stage when you're performing? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't have any masks to wear anymore. Exactly. You know, most importantly, just be authentic. So that goes for everybody, not yeah. not just trans people. Like, that's, that's one thing I think you can learn from us. Everybody can learn from us is to just, just be yourself. Don't worry about what other people think or how they feel or what they believe about you. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Just be yourself. Amen. We talk about that. Everything else will fall in place. Yeah. Welcome to <laughs> Zoop. Welcome everybody to another edition of Bottom of the Bill. This week on the podcast, we have Nora Doherty. Uh, but before we get to all that, Chris, how you doing, bro? Doing good, man. This is the uh, the the single has been out this week uh, for Alchematic. So even though we it was. When you guys watched the episode last week, it was out, but I hadn't experienced it being out. So this week, I've kind of got to revel in that a little bit, and it's been really cool just to have that out. A lot of a lot of people have kind of come out of the woodworks to check it out, and um, it's just cool. You know, like when you're kind of in the thick of it, you don't really know whose eyes are on you and what's going on. So to just you know, just to have little notes from people coming in and out, it's been really cool um, this whole this whole week. The video looks great. It's doing well on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, it's uh, climbing and it's doing great. Miles did a great job, and uh, yeah, everybody has been saying really great things about it, and I I just love how it turned out. It's been really it's been really awesome. Hell yeah! That's been the big thing. What else? So you guys are playing? Aren't you doing a release October fifteenth? Yeah. So this if if it's not already out, this will be the early early announcement. But we're playing our EP release show on um october 15th at underbelly and we've got some great local bands we got starcaller who's been on the episode and cluster who's been on an episode um playing with us so it's just going to be a really good night of music um and i want to say yeah uh underbelly doors at seven tickets are 15 bucks you can find those in our all our link and bio stuff so yeah come out and check it out we've got a massive 13 piece band with horns and harmonies and multiple guitars and stuff. So it's going to be an experience that is, is not norm for every show. So make sure you come out and check it out and see what all that's about. See me hang on for dear life a little bit. I was going to say you guys put together a huge band for this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of layering and stuff on the EP. Um, a lot of harmonies, a lot of horn parts and, Normally we'll have like some element of tracks when we play just, you know, just to kind of get all these parts in, in a realistic manner. But for the hometown show, we thought, well, let's just go big and, you know, bring a band that can play the EP as it was recorded kind of thing. So there's going to be 
you know, a lot going on, but everyone's a great player. So like they're, it's going to be kind of like layered and cinematic to an extent musically. So it's going to be cool. I'm excited to see what happens <laughs> as, yeah. as much as anybody else. Uh, I'm keeping that night open too. So I'll come check it out as nice. well. Yeah. We're doing their first rehearsal with the rhythm section tonight to get all of our transitions and arrangements down. And then we'll bring in the horn players and harmony singers next couple weeks. And, uh, get that dialed in too so it's gonna be fun Hell and yeah. i've and star has been rehearsing at the house and they're crushing um they've got some new tunes that i've heard um that they've been working on it's it's just gonna be a great show across the board cluster's got some originals we're gonna bust out um and a couple of new cover tunes that i think um some deep cuts so just a, it's gonna be a great night yeah that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Totally. Um, and the next single, it'll be, we're dropping that announcement today. So it'll be, let me look at the date. I forget. Um, the It'll be next, it'll be this Friday. It drops, whatever the date for that is. It'll be Walk Away is the name of the single. And that'll be, the date is um, the 6th, this coming Friday, all platforms walk away. The next single from Alchematic. Get hip, yo. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, man. Well, I mean, the whole thing sounds good, so I'm excited to see what the, what the responses can be for the next one also. This totally. is dope. Yeah. Lots of good shit going on. Totally. Um, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Played a couple gigs over the weekend. Um, played for the Jags game. Played a duo gig with Madison. Um, just the the regular run-of-the-mill working stuff played down in daytona so hustled a bit had a couple days off this week to do some editing and stuff and writing and just be around the house a little bit and then we're back into the thick of it and then i go out of town next week which i'm stoked uh go up to north carolina hang at the hang with the family and stuff so be a nice little vacation get a few days off here and there hell yeah um, well, our boy Aaron Plotz got married last weekend. Yeah, he did. Shout out to Aaron and Kalani. Um, that, I thought that was a really nice wedding. Oh, it was it was great. Um, real small, intimate setting. It was it was a really nice, really beautiful day. Yeah, the jam sounded good for those that jam. Yeah, that's when when musicians get married. Uh, you're gonna have <laughs> a, a good turnout of players, and it really was. Um, she, you know, it was obviously split between her family his family and then just a bunch of music degenerates hanging out um and so we all got to play a little bit and everyone sounded really awesome hell yeah, yeah. um everyone, you didn't play but. i didn't play no uh, it was the night the side hustle almost got back together yeah the, the one we'll be talking about for years to come <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then aaron i thought did a really good job on his vows also i thought i was like damn oh, dude yeah, he crushed that yeah it was very nice um so yeah, man, that was pretty dope. I'm really excited for them. I'm, I'm glad that they got that they were they were able to finally do that, and totally. uh, that the wedding was went, went went very smoothly and it was a lot of fun, even for my sober ass now. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're having a good time. You were dancing a little bit. You were chopping it up like you're a regular old wedding guest. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've gotten used to the sober thing now, so I'm learning how to. At first, it was like trying to figure out how to be social when you don't have alcohol in the mm -hmm. equation and now i've gotten to a point where i think i can manage it so yeah it's been good didn't even see breaking a sweat yeah <laughs> um 
I think that's really it right now. Um, yeah, you've just been working on the EP, your acoustic EP, just finalizing some tunes and some takes yeah. and stuff, and keeping that moving, kind of thing. Yeah, we were uh, we we're, were going through that the other day and just doing some mixing and final touches, uh, and then I've got to go through all the B real stuff. Uh, Jay's gonna start putting the videos together. I'm gonna mm -hmm. start putting the documentary side of it together. Yeah. Um, and then I think we're going to be doing a show on November 14th, yeah. the band called Baked Shrimp. Baked Shrimp. Um, they're pretty gnarly. I just checked them out. They hit me up actually right before we did this podcast. Um, Great and players, it sounded like. Yeah. 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 So I was able to put together a little band. It's going to be me, Brandon Howell, Matt Jones, and Kevin Ramos playing. And then we're going to do some recording as well, some video stuff. And try and put some stuff out so november 14th um i don't know if it's officially been announced yet but you heard it here mark your calendars it's gonna be a dope show we're gonna yeah put, we're gonna put together a fun set for sure um and, and is our little announcement coming out this week should we tease it on this intro yeah um we have an announcement we are doing a uh, a sweepstakes giveaway because on what date is it gonna oh, be oh yeah let's look at that Hold i on. think it's october um so dude uh, Dude, dude, I'm pretty sure it's the 17th we said. Yeah, October 17th. We're dropping an episode with uh, one of our heroes, Mark Latiri. So we're super stoked about that. Um, and we're going to do a sweepstakes for it. We have a bunch of stuff to give away. We're not going to tell you what it is yet, though, because we're going to show you that at a later date. Uh -huh. We got a whole thing. But we got a bunch of, literally a bunch of stuff to give away. So we're going we're gonna to do a separate video explaining how to enter the sweepstakes and all that good stuff. So just keep an eye out. Um, so that's very exciting. And then, uh, yeah, so um, we'll get to the episode in a second. This week we had Noah, Nora Doherty on the podcast. Um, Nora's a musician that we've known for a long time. She's super talented. She's also a member of the LGBTQ community. And um, we talk a lot about her experience uh, coming out in that regard and trying to navigate this music scene at the same time, as well as just uh, her experience in life in general. So conversation gets deep. Um, it's informative, I think. And um, we're honored that she took the time and felt comfortable with us to share her story. So without further ado, here's the episode. Like, share, subscribe, let everyone know what we got going on here at Bottom of the Bill, and uh, enjoy. This is Bottom of the Bill. Nora, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. I just came from... Now this is very hot in my headphones. <laughs> you, just, you just started talking like insanely louder. I, I did? I set your level and you're like, all right, yeah. so we're going to go from this like, and that. And then you put on your podcaster voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus, all bro, I'm, I know. Will you... Okie dokie. Leave this all in, by the all way. All right. <laughs> I'll get you reset. I'll remix on the fly. It's um, all good. That's what we pay do you the little, big bucks for. Little DJ underdog over here. The DJ underdog. Do, do a little remix. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. I just, uh, I usually um, uh, I start off my morning today by going to Muay Thai, which I don't usually do on Saturdays, but uh, I didn't go yesterday um, because my shoulder's been bothering me. So I took like a couple days off from the gym. And so I went today and it's always a fantastic way to start my day. It gets yeah. me like energized and 
also like just depleted enough where little things don't bother me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. good. Did you gig last night or anything? I know Saturday mornings would always be, uh, a hard one for musicians. Uh, no, no gig for me last night. It's mm. been a little while, unfortunately. Um, been kind of a busy year. Yeah. But I'm hoping to get back to it here in a, another month or so. So a busy year. Yeah. What does that entail? Well, I was preparing to go to New York. Um, uh, I spent about two months up there uh, recovering from surgery. Okay. Yeah. How did you like New York? Uh, it's beautiful. The, the city, I just like, you fall in love with it so fast. Yeah. Did you see a lot of music while you were up there or were you just kind of bouncing around and just checking the city out? So, sad story. I had tickets to go see Avishai Cohen at the Blue Note. Oh, man. And then my, my flight got canceled. And we, we were able to pick up another flight the next day. But by the time we got there, it was like the show had already started. So, mm. couldn't make it, unfortunately. Um, that was the only time I would have had while I was there to be able to do that. So, Sadly, I didn't get to go, but I'm planning to go back. And um, actually, I'm going back in November, so I'm going to try to hit up some jazz clubs that night. Awesome. Yeah. There's a really cool place there that I found in Brooklyn called Ornith Ornithology. Yeah. Have you heard of that place? I have not. No? It's like a really had a, they had a great jazz jam on Wednesday night. But like the best place that I found was this place called Marianne's, in, uh, also in Brooklyn, I believe. Um, like Bushwick area, maybe, I don't know, but it was, I mean, top notch jazz jam. The guy that ran it, I think his name's, uh, LeVon or something. I don't know. Matt, Matt's his name. LeVon's his last name. Mm -hmm. You know, when, you know, like the level of, of experience somebody has by watching them run a jam for as somebody who's gone to a lot of them over the years and run my own, like it was just like a masterclass on how to run a jam and then just the musicians were top notch. So if you go back, Marianne's Ornithology, cool spots to check out. Yeah. So you spent two months there. What mm -hmm. else were you doing there? Um, <laughs> most of my time was spent in a hotel room, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Recovery was a bit rough, um, a little bit more rough than expected. So I didn't get to go out and do as much exploring as I would have liked. Yeah. I got maybe like one day to, to wander around in the middle of all that, but most of it I had to be in, in bed recovering. Um, I did finally get to catch up on the, the five-hour Foo Fighters concert. Oh, nice. Which was incredible. Like, it's hard for me to like to find that like five and a half hours to sit down and watch anything. Um, so I definitely took that opportunity to try to like watch a bunch of music. Um, just trying to catch up on some of my favorites. Uh, Nora Jones, of course. Um, I love NPR Tiny Desk concerts. Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite. I can just let those play all day. So. For sure. Have you seen the Anderson Pock one? Yes. That's I watch that like maybe once a month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how I just, Chris showed me this. Yeah. I bet it was like 2019 or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's when I discovered Anderson Pock and I was like, holy shit, who is this guy? He's such a beast. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. And so charismatic. Like, yeah. Even like the Tiny Desk was great, but then mm -hmm. when you watch his live show, it's like just the way that he commands the stage and jumps from like the um, band leader to drummer and all this. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's, oh my God, he's like infectious to watch. Yeah. I think he had another one come out too. Really? Um, like it, it might've been branded as like the free nationals, like his band, but I saw mm -hmm. him on a tiny desk, not in that like hat and outfit. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the one I recognize. And it was something completely, I, yeah. So there's another one out there to oh, word. sink your teeth into. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, I love the tie-in desk stuff. It's pretty dope. So uh, you were recovering from surgery? Yeah. Okay. Do you mm-hmm. feel comfortable talking about any of that? Sure. Okay. So what would what the surgery... What For people that don't know, you want to explain a little bit, give your background a little bit? Sure. Um, so I am a trans woman um, up in New York getting gender-affirming surgery. So um, I'm, I'm a lot more open about it than most people. Um, so like what you're going to get from me here, I wouldn't say like expect the same from anybody else. I try to be as open as I can because I like to share my experiences to let other people know, other people like me specifically know that it's okay to just be yourself. So that being said, it was, um, it was bottom surgery is what most people will call it. Some people refer to it as the surgery. That's highly debatable. Um, like to me, facial feminization surgery makes them most dramatic impact on your day-to-day life because that's what people see first um what is that for people that don't understand including myself i'm learning as well uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i was just trying to figure out how i can put this into to lighter terms they're they're gonna try to rework your there's different techniques that they can use they can shave your bones down to try to to give your face a little bit more of a feminine shape there's even cheek implants they can lower your hairline um rhinoplasty of course which isn't limited to trans people obviously um but there's there's a long it's technically several different surgeries all in one procedure um it can take all day depending on how many of those you're going for it, they're all little changes but at the end of the day like like if i were to just lift my lip just a little bit more for example that small of a change can make a a huge difference in the way somebody's face looks to you. Mm. Like for some people, depending on how your face is shaped, you could do just that alone and that might be enough for you. So this is what that process is. And then there's mm-hmm. obviously very like other like surgeries and stuff that you go through as well. Yeah. Okay. What was this feeling when you're, when you're just dis- not discovering, I guess, but like, when you're making deciding to make this transition and come out about mm-hmm. all this and you you know you're you're a gigging musician and you're you know you're in like you know we're going to jam sessions and mm-hmm. all this stuff and you're working and how does this kind of play a role into your career here in Jacksonville it was a really difficult time in my life when i finally found the courage to just start being myself um, i didn't have a job <laughs> I had actually ended up quitting uh, in the middle of all. It's just like the biggest uh, mental health breakdown, crisis, trauma, whatever you want to call it, experience of my life. It was the hardest time I've ever experienced by a long shot. Um, and having the Tuesday night jam was the one thing I had to look forward to every week. Um, you know, I'd hang out with my friends on Fridays, and that was great. It's nice to you know be there and just kind of chill and everything. But like getting to just go and make music, knowing that that was going to be a guaranteed thing for me every week, um, and then I could go and be with people that I've known for uh, some of them half my life now, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think about, um, and know that they're all accepting. And they're always going to be supportive and and love me for who I am, uh, most importantly. And I get to do the thing I love most with them. And having that every week got me through, like, so many insanely difficult things. Uh, Music, in a lot of ways, saved my life. Mm. Yeah, for For sure. sure. 
that's awesome. So that was like Jeremy's jam, and and you know yeah. Chris was there, and yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing. I would imagine having that kind of community really. Uh, helped you pull through in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, this episode's brought to you by Best Buds CBD Store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you, or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. So at Best Buds CBD Store, they have an array of CBD and Delta 8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service, so everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top-notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information regarding Delta THC and CBD, uh, not to mention if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B-O-T-B-POD, you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to Best Buds cbdstore.com and start saving on all of your cbd and delta a products enjoy guys um where did you ever experience any kind of pushback or any kind of you know uh once you started um you know making this transition mm -hmm. was were there like you know people that weren't as accepting or things that you know situations that you found yourself in that were uncomfortable um i was very fortunate in that respect, um, the majority of the people that I that I came out to were uh, very very cool and accepting about it. The funny thing about it is, like there there were some people on that list I was worried about more than others, and those people turned out to be the like most accepting. Wow! In the end, like I remember, um, you remember Corey, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Corey, I I was like so concerned about coming out to him because mm -hmm. like he's a regular churchgoer and everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. It just didn't seem like he he was going to be very accepting about it. And he was the first one to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to call you anymore. What am I going to call you? Like, mm -hmm. he asked me. I didn't have to tell him my name is Nora. Yeah. And and that really meant a lot to me. It's but You it, never you never know. People will surprise you. I mean, just be yourself. Totally. Um, and, you know, the music, the music community is always like, you know, it's it usually is about the music first too. Like you, you look back at like the, like Muscle Shoals was like some of the earliest in like kind of breaking segregation and stuff. It's like musicians have if we if we don't have many things to compliment, you know, if uh, if the person's a slamming musician, that is usually like the barrier in. And then as long as they are who they are, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's a great community we have. And like that whole Tuesday crew was, yeah. you know it was awesome. You got to be you even more. And then we get just kept throwing down some music. It was, it was incredible. It was a great, yeah, it was a great group of people that was out there. Yeah. Tuesday night jam fam. Yeah. yeah. Right. I love y'all. <laughs> so trying to think like from the Tuesday jam, you were still working like in the, in the more corporate and, and wedding stuff as well. Um, I was still doing some work with the baking's band. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would play wedding gigs here and there. Okay. Most of the stuff I was doing was just like um, cover band type stuff. That was the one when when you asked about pushback. That was actually the one thing that that, that did happen. I was I had one band I was still playing with, and I had two gigs lined up, and like I came out to all of them, and they seemed cool about it. But like the day before, it was like Thursday. I got a I got a text from Paul, and he was like, no. Um, Sorry, we're we're gonna have to drop it down to a three piece this weekend. 
and I never heard from him again. I never got any more gigs. And that, and yeah, though you're pretty confident that was because of what you were going through. I don't at the know time. what else it would have been. Right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That was the only scenario that that ever happened. Everything else was pretty was pretty like accepting and. Um, back then, yeah. So if if you want to talk about through throughout the duration of my my transition, um, so I I ended up my mental health was just in a really bad place. So February, 2017, no, January, 2017, I quit my job. Um, cause it, I was just in a really bad place. Uh, working with your ex will do a lot of, a lot of weird things to you. Mm. Um, and it, I didn't get hired again until that November. It took quite a while, like going to interviews, train and just be myself because I was at a point like this is something I knew was a part of me since I was a kid um, and when I just decided I was just going to be Nora from now on it was really hard for me to, to go back to being who I, I you know tried to be for so many years um, I just couldn't do it anymore so I probably dove headfirst into it a little too quickly for my own good so to speak but what a, I'm sorry, I want to pick that yeah. apart real quick. What mm -hmm. does that mean that you dove too quickly into it? What, like, what were you sure. experiencing that you think made you realize that? Um, so a lot of trans people will, they'll, they'll kind of take their time before they go into presenting as themselves full time. Um, so for me, I, um, I started talking to my therapist about it October 2016. I didn't start coming out to friends till that December. And then by June 2017, I was already, it, it was like six months and I was already living full time. Mm -hmm. um, and that process usually takes a few years for, for most people. Uh, like I still needed to, I was waiting for my hair to grow out and all that stuff. I hadn't been able to start HRT, uh, hormone replacement therapy for those who, who don't know. Um, so it was a really awkward gray area for me for a few years like it's like uh wigs are not comfortable to begin with and like to have to wear one every day or like you don't have to but i felt like i needed to it was kind of a security blanket for me um so for like 14 months i didn't go anywhere without a wig on and a full face of makeup <laughs> and that was what i did to try to get by until i could start doing things medically that i needed to do for myself to feel comfortable in my own skin so when you say it's usually a process that takes a couple of years for people before they start mm -hmm. kind of doing what you were doing right away, yeah. what is, what's that process for, do, what do you, because obviously you have your own, you had your own way of doing it, but for most people that uh, kind of go through this and it takes a longer period of time, what's like, how, how would they ease their way into something like this? Um, so that's kind of our question to answer because it's, it's going to be different depending on whether or not you're a trans man or a trans woman, or especially dis difficult if you're non-binary. That's like a whole other thing altogether um, that even I'm still learning about thanks to the, the couple of non-binary friends that I have. That's something I don't know if I really could, could speak too confidently about. But in terms of like being a trans woman, I would say... Um, Give yourself some time to grow your hair out so you don't have to deal with the pain of like maintaining a wig. Um, a lot of trans folks will try to go on hormones first and give their, their body a little bit of time to start, you know, to let those changes happen. 
Um, that way when they're presenting, it's not so uncomfortable for them. It was really strange for me for a while because I, like, I, I didn't get to start hormones until April 2019. So it was close to two and a half years of being out, almost two years full time before I, I really got to start experiencing the changes that I knew I needed for myself for oh, so long. Okay. And that's got to be... That's got to be, that's got to stir up some stuff inside for sure. Like, I mean, knowing that you want to represent yourself a certain way uh, because this is how you feel, but not being able, not having done the things, I, I guess, that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a few years, you're walking around, like you're walking around, like feeling unfulfilled, I guess. Is that a way to describe it? Yeah. Just a, a feeling like my body doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Yeah. While you're trying to like go through this transition publicly it's also still like stirring up this stuff mm-hmm. yeah well wow. there's there's a physical or a okay there's a medical transition and then there's a social transition okay mm-hmm. um and socially transitioning i feel in some ways can be more difficult um it's like you, you grow up being socialized as a boy and then suddenly you're trying to have girls nights and you don't really know how to how to act in that situation. You kind of have to learn and it feels forced sometimes. Mm. Um, but the longer you, you know, the longer you focus on just being yourself, it's, I think it just starts to happen more naturally and you're not so worried about trying to, to fit in and you just do. Okay. That's th- an interesting thing to think about because now it's like yeah. we're, we're learning like how to, how to be a woman essentially right because like yeah. you're saying you were socialized one way for so long and then so now we're you're trying to do these things and you have like friends that are obviously wanting to be supportive i would imagine and that are there with you and you're trying to figure out like how do we do this thing yeah. right what i'm curious as to like an example and if you don't feel comfortable it's fine but like of of like maybe not understanding how to act socially in like a girls' night setting early on. Mm-hmm. Um, when they start talking about problems with boys, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a big one, or just relationship issues with their boyfriends and whatnot. Okay, um, I don't really know how to respond in those situations, and sometimes I'll just be quiet about it, and then like. It's also hard to tell like what is and what isn't appropriate at that point because like the the lines are drawn a bit differently when you're, you know, when you're just having a girls' night. There's some things that you can you can start saying now that you couldn't say before, and I don't really know what those are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still learning. That's that's something I think that's going to take a lot longer for me. I'll be done with my medical transition long before I figure out how to you know, be socially around other women. At least that's how I feel. My, my friends might have something different to tell you, but like for me, it's still a, a thing that makes me a little uncomfortable. Okay. But it's growth, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. A hundred percent. So. Now, I'm curious because this is a conversation <laughs> we get into a lot on the podcast about um, like the relation to music and life uh, and like friction that can translate <laughs> to beautiful art because ultimately that's mm-hmm. how life is created is just through this friction right right so like how do you think 
because you write as well, right? Like, like you at least you explore creative spaces I musically. Do. Yeah. So, do you think that you pulled anything from this experience that's helped you in the creative aspect? Yes, I've learned a lot more about how to just. Um, so I was classically trained, and it was really difficult for me before to try to sit down at the keyboard and compose anything without thinking in terms of theory. Mm-hmm. And when you when you go through some some heavy times, um, you you really learn how to play with feeling. You just kind of let yourself go. It's that whole idea of learning something so well that you can just forget it. It just becomes a part of you. Yes. And, and then at that point, like I know Chris has even told me on some nights at the jam, like I, I can just like I can tell you're going through something right now because mm-hmm. I can hear it in the way that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think really has been the most beneficial thing to me because like to me, music, good music should evoke the feeling it's trying to communicate from its listener. Right. So if my intent is to, you know, express something that made me sad, if it doesn't make you sad in some way, I haven't done my job. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and I think those experiences have helped me learn how to do that better. Totally. So, so, so I, there's this other thing that is interesting to me is like, there's when, when writing and when performing as well, uh, truly when you're performing more than anything, I feel like there's like an honesty, I think that has to shine through. Mm-hmm. Right. So is there, is, do you feel like now you're able to be more honest on stage when you're performing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, like, I don't have any masks to wear anymore. Exactly. And do you th- like, so how does this feel for you now versus how it felt before? Can you kind of speak to the maybe, I don't know, whatever you were feeling before versus how you're feeling now, I guess. Uh, liberating. Yeah. <laughs> Freeing. Um, it's just complete freedom to just express myself however I choose now. Cause I'm not, concerned with um you know i've I've hit a point because i've run into enough problems in my life like i got fired from bank of america um after complaining about being forced to use my dad name on a on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and they said it was because i was late and i'm like company policy says i'm late eight times and i'm fired and you say i'm late 23 times two weeks after i complain about this Mm -hmm. and suddenly i'm i'm fired even though i'm in the top like 80% 80% of your help desk, 300 texts. Um, all my reviews were great and everything, but unfortunately Florida's an at-well state, so they can fire you for whatever reason they want. Um, and it took me a year and a half to find another job after that. So. Were you getting any kind of support from like, like any kind of like, I mean, a year and a half out of work? Yeah. So you like, uh, I mean, were you still working in bands at all? Um, not a lot. It no. was kind of difficult for me to like, I had, I had some gigs with the Bay Kings band here and there. Um, but after that stuff happened, like it's, I got hit with kind of a, you know, they say bad things come in threes. So, um, I lost my cat, got fired. And then when I was trying to start HRT for the first time, I, uh, I found out I can't have kids. So like I was trying it cause like once you start HRT is one of the things that happens, you become sterile, you can no longer have biological children. Um, and when I tried to 
make that possible for myself. They called me up like an hour after I, I left and said, well, you don't you don't have anything to preserve. You need to go get a get an MRI. And then I found out I have a brain tumor. Oh, so <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's just, yeah, and that was the start of the year and a half of not having any work. I canceled a few gigs from Big King's band and they were very, very kind about that because it was kind of last minute and it was people's weddings. So I can understand that, but life happens, mm. you know. Totally. I'm sorry you've been going through all that. That's quite a plight for sure. <laughs> um, that's that's heavy, man. I'm sorry. What uh? How is this um? You know, translating. I guess to are, are you still like writing and performing at all, or writing? I guess like um. You know, while you're not gigging as much, are you still like being creative in that respect? Yeah, um, my so I work from home, which is really nice, and my keyboard is right next to my work desk, so <laughs> I just leave it on. And if I'm having some downtime or it's kind of slow in the morning, I'll I'll mess around and try to write a bit. I've got the my uh, loop station right on top, so I can just jam myself. If I'm not trying to write anything, I'll throw down four or eight bars or something and just. <laughs> jam with myself for a little bit until it's time to actually get to work. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I try to process all the stuff that <laughs> like you were going through at that same time. That's, yeah, that's, that was, I try not to, I kind of threw that at you guys pretty quickly. I, I've yeah. been through a lot. No, it's okay. I came out. Um, so. I'm interested to hear about all of it. I'm just trying to think of like, I mean, so you take some time off of work. This is a lot to, for you to deal with at one time mm -hmm. as any human being would just, I mean, have. So what are you doing to cope at this point, I guess? Um, trauma is a funny thing is like for me, especially with anxiety and depression, um, if I have something that is particularly difficult happen to me, I'll just, I'll be super sad and just depressed and barely able to function uh, for two to three months. <laughs> like It's to the point where like I know the time frame, which is, is bad. I've had that happen a couple of times now. So I guess for coping, it's like music, obviously, for sure. Um, playing and listening, listening especially can help. Um, sometimes you just need to get those feelings out. So like it, it seems weird. It almost seems like... Um, little sadistic even to try to throw on nothing but sad music all day when you're just super depressed and you can't stop crying yeah but like you cry for a reason right you got to get those feelings out so if you're just holding it all in you're i mean you're gonna be sitting with that for a really long time so me i'm just gonna like okay this is a song that makes me the saddest right now i'm just gonna play it on repeat for an hour um and then i feel better <laughs> well, there's something about leaning into that, I think, yeah. right? Like, I think when you're in those spaces, I think listening to music or watching movies or doing things that help you um, really live in those feelings. Because then, what it, I think what it does ultimately is it's help, it helps us understand how to navigate those things. If we're constantly avoiding those feelings by distracting ourselves with upbeat music or watching happy movies and whatever. I mean, there. I guess there's an argument to be made about pulling yourself out of something, mm -hmm. but also I think that you do need a period of time to just really sit with those feelings and experience what that is. You do, yeah. Um, I, I think that like, so once you've experienced trauma, it just, it starts with, 
it feeling like it's this just big heavy thing that's consuming every part of your life and like people will want to say like it gets smaller and I don't think that that's the case. I think that you're just building around it. I think you're adding on to so many things that it's no longer such a big part of your life. Right. And you just learn how to manage it. It's not something that's ever going to go away. It's now a part of you and you just have to learn how to, how to deal with that. But that's part of how we grow. It's like th these experiences, when you recognize something that's similar that's happened to you previously, you can like, okay, this is how I handled it before. I didn't, I don't like that, that like, I, I don't need to stop eating and, uh, and drinking for, for a whole month to the point where I've lost 40 pounds. <laughs> Um, I lost 40 pounds in two months after, after all that stuff happened oh too. God. So that was, that was one of the things I, uh, I will never forget. So now I'm kind of the opposite. Like I just, I've learned how I react to these situations. So now I know how to recognize those things and call those, you know, your red flags, of course. And then you have your coping mechanisms. So for me, either that's listening to music, playing music, um, particularly like, I love throwing on a set of headphones and just like, just my favorite, like feel good, relaxing music type stuff and just playing something that's totally mindless, like Fall Guys or um, just, just anything I don't really have to think. And I'm just in the zone. All I'm thinking about is the game and the music I'm listening to. And that gets me away from just like everything. And if I can just put it down for a little while, when I'm done doing that, I don't like even think about picking it back up sometimes or if I do, it doesn't feel so heavy anymore. Right. Right. Um, do you think, do you feel like you've had like a, a good support system to kind of help you through a lot of this stuff? Um, so that's been one of the more difficult things when I, when I first came out, um, I did have a close circle of friends aside from the jam fam, um, that had all known me for, for 10 plus years and they were all very, very supportive um, at first and then as time went on and I started experiencing some of the more difficult things that come with transitioning they I think the intent was to try to be supportive but exec like the execution didn't quite go over so well like I had my, my old friend uh, just like a month into starting HRT made some comment about you know um, like the hormones affecting my mood or something to that extent. Um, or you need to get these symptoms under control, that sort of thing. It's kind of like something you would never say to a cisgender woman. It's just like you don't reduce a person to their hormones. Like your feelings are still valid. I had one of my other friends who said, that they didn't believe that trans women are women. And that's a, you know, a huge, shouldn't be a debate. Um, like that, that should be the end of it. Trans women are women. And she was trying to argue that. And she's somebody that I've known since I was like 20 years old. Um, and I had to cut her out. And some of those friends, like she was in that group of friends and some of them were trying to convince me. It's like, no, you guys, you've been friends for so long. You should just try to work it out. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, do you not understand that like, that's not okay? doesn't matter how long you've been friends with anybody. They say something like that to you. That's, they obviously don't respect you. Yeah. I'm curious about what that is in people where this, like there has to, like there has to be 
like a point that they have to get across. It doesn't seem to really be mm-hmm. like like a life changing thing for somebody to acknowledge. It's like yeah. you know, if, if somebody's explaining to you what this is what they're they're feeling and this is what they would like to be understood as or who they'd like to be understood as, then it seems to me like it's a pretty easy thing to just say, okay, you accept it and move on. This pushback on like, well, you know, I don't think it's this, so I don't, so I don't want to refer to any, like, it's just, it's, it seems like it's argumentative for the sake of being argumentative. It's not like healthy for anybody really, you know? Yeah. They're, they're just trying to push us back to a place where they can be comfortable again. Right. At, our expense. Right. Rather than <laughs> acknowledging um, uh, an aspect of society that's evolving and it's like, okay, well, if we're going to be, if this is going to be something that's becoming more uh, common in society, we should probably be making more of an effort to understand mm-hmm. what's happening here and the people that are going through it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just an interesting, I don't know. I, I've always just been curious as to why people feel the need to push back on, on these things. Because yeah. it goes against everything they've been taught yeah, to I was, believe. I was gonna say it's the Bible Belt. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's regurgitation at this point. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I can't. You know, I won't put it just on the South, but like it's. You know, th- there's a, that's a whole ingrained thing in a lot of people of just like what their parents, grandparents, great grandparents just decided kind of arbitrarily and just passed that down. It's mm-hmm. like just breaking that is really all it is. It's it's for no reason other than someone else told them that, you know? Right. At least that's what I feel and what I've seen, you know, it like because I grew up in the deep, deep south, so, like, that just really seems like what it is. You have conversations with people and go, so why do you think this way? And there's no answers, you know? There's no, there's nothing except tradition that gets listed or because it's the way it's been, which is the same fucking thing as tradition. It's just, you know? So when you press people on why, that gets them uncomfortable more so than they already are. And it's just, like you said, it's not good for anybody. Yeah, I can confirm that. Two weeks before I went to New York for surgery, I had a cousin message me. A cousin I'm not close with at all, quoting Bible verses to try to talk me out of it. Mm. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) That seems... Um, that's always a fun one. Yeah, right? At 10.45 yeah. at night, too. I was about to go to bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, great. That's just like... <laughs> On a Tuesday. <laughs> cool. Thanks for quoting the Sky Guy fan fiction at me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that ought to do some... Yeah. <laughs> it's also, again, one of those things where you're like, what is the end game here? Because you know that that's not going to do anything, right? Like you, And if you think that that's going to do something, you're legit. Like That's crazy, right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's like there's one viral video that's stuck in their head of something that affirms their, you know, delusion to an extent. And they think, well, I just I, now I must be this person. I've seen it, you know, maybe it's stage, whatever it is in their head. Now they're convinced yeah. that that's what they've got to do. Yeah. it's just, And it happens like, you know, it, there's a lot of like different ways that this happens, too. I mean, it, they, they do it to people that are gay as well. And they do it to people that just don't share their their certain moral compass, whatever. And like you see, like I've had people send me that kind of stuff, too. I don't even know what for, but just like maybe I said something or did something that they felt like I needed to be saved or whatever. Got one of them tattoos. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like and it's like um I don't, it, it's just one of those things where like, I, 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 it's almost hard to get mad at cause I'm just like, I don't know what it is you're trying to accomplish or do you think that just arbitrarily sending me Bible verses is going to do anything? Like, do you think this has changed my mind? 
because I don't. Yeah. I it just it's a weird thing. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's that or if it's just like they they feel like it's their duty as a Christian, and because oh, they they know me and one. I'm in their presence, if they don't yeah. do this, then that's like they're just letting letting it happen, and they can't do that. Because, An interesting, you know. Yeah, it's it's a self <laughs> it's a, it's a self uh, um, preservation thing for them. It feels yeah. like, which is like almost the exact opposite of what it's supposed. It's like about selflessness, you know, at yeah. least in theory, right? Yeah. So it's just kind of it's interesting. Yeah. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about um, some of the music that you've been getting into uh, sure. just lately, because this is something we've been trying to do more of on the podcast, because. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for new things. I feel like I'm going through a rut right now as far as like what I'm listening to. Yeah. So I'm just curious as to what other people are listening to. Um, I kind of like, I totally understand the rut because like you get hooked on your, your favorites. Like I can't stop listening to Hiatus Coyote still. Oh, yeah. Um, like I got to see them live at some point or another. Uh, they're coming to Atlanta over... Um, uh, Halloween. I wanted to say Hollywood. Halloween. Over Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, over Hollywood. The yeah. great holiday. Yeah. Um, that's they. They don't come down. I haven't seen them play Florida ever. And I've because I I feel you. I'm such a big fan. I was thinking about trying to go up there. Um, I didn't know they were still together. I thought. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Napalm. That's her name, right? Uh-huh. I thought she had like some health issues and she was like not doing anything for a while believe that was true but i think you know they had just the space to like take the time to you know deal with that but they're doing like but they're back in the road either way but yeah but not massive touring they do like five ten dates in a row because i don't think they're u.s based they're all australian yeah Yeah, so they don't come up here much so yeah you know come up do 10 shows the traveling and doing all that's rough so like yeah i think we do i think we're getting so and i think uh, napalm just dropped a new album or is dropping an album. I feel like I saw that somewhere too. So I think uh, she's doing some solo shows around the hiatus stuff on top of that. But I think that's one of the few Southeast shows we get is Atlanta. So I've made that drive for music before. Last time was for Joshua Redman. Oh yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well worth it. Yeah. Um, Man, you said the end of October. October end. Mm, I have to think about that. I'll, I, I did the same. I'm gonna thing. message you. I did the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I really because there's a couple buddies that are like, all right, we gotta, we gotta plan. We gotta take gigs off. I don't know. We'll we'll think we'll think about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Itis is amazing. <laughs> Mayor Hawthorne's another one that I, I keep coming back to. Okay. I just like, I, I love his take on like classic like R and B and soul and even doo wop in some cases. Yeah. Mm. Just his interpretation of that's pretty spot on. His his vocal style is a little different in some ways. Just the way he uh, he uses falsetto. Okay, yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to him before. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm guilty of I that. I think too. you'd like it. Yeah, I feel like I've seen the name pop up, and I'm gonna have to. De- where, where's a good place to start checking uh, some of his stuff out? Uh, I mean, I'm I, everything I listen to is pretty much on Spotify. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's one of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge love hate thing as a musician. Like, I, I hate that, I, that that's where I get all my music from. But I did notice um, if you're using the desktop app, there is now a button on some artist's page. I haven't seen it on all of them where you have the option to donate to them. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I've seen which that. is nice. But, like, at the same time, why don't you guys just pay them their money? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've gone into this so many times on this yeah. show. It's like, spot. 
here's the only thing not to keep beating a dead horse but i do find this stuff very interesting because obviously i would like to make money selling music at some point Mm -hmm. spotify it's more it's less understanding of why apple and youtube and these other platforms pay people so little because spotify only has the one revenue source it's just the streaming Whereas YouTube and Apple, it's like music is almost just like, we'll do it because we can. But ultimately for them, it's kind of like a lost, like it's, it's, it's a loss for them. They're not really trying to make money on the music side. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me why, why, why they wouldn't be paying more. If, if for no other reason than just to take Spotify out of the game, yeah. you know, it's like if Spotify is not paying people, I feel like if you don't need this part of it and it's all they have, why not flex a little harder? pay us more money mm-hmm. and take Spotify out altogether. Yeah. It would be nice. Like the one thing I'll never forget about those streaming services is I used to play in a band called 20 weight and we had our song pushing pedals got maybe, I think it was like somewhere around 125,000 plays or something like that on oh, Pandora. Yeah. And our singer got the check. It was like 36 bucks oh. split five ways. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place. You guys want yeah. to go to the McDonald's drive through for the happy meal to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got two honey butter chicken biscuits. <laughs> I mean, I've played music for less. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like Spotify give them five ten years i've noticed that they are making those steps in the right direction like the donation button they um they added like the liner notes um you can go in and like see who was the producer who played on it, all that stuff and they recently i don't know if you saw this on podcast they've linked up with patreon to now like patreon exclusive episodes will show up on spotify with huh. like a little lock button and you hit that and it'll take you to patreon unlock that content then it'll redirect you back to spotify and then it's now unlocked and you can open it so like Artists and I guess primarily podcasters can like get a direct revenue stream off of um, like their Patreon account through Spotify. Hmm. And I don't think Spotify's taking a cut. I'm sure there was something they worked out on the back end in terms of all that. But uh, is that available for uh, people who use a free Spotify account? Great question. I'm not sure, but I think I think so. I think anyone like it, I think. Say, uh, you know, I comedians podcast I follow, they have I'm on their Patreon, mm-hmm. and like you go on their Spotify, and like those extra episodes start showing up. I think anyone can go and just click through that lock link that goes to that takes you over there, yeah, which is like a, a really direct way to put money in artist's pocket. So, like, they're making the steps, you know, but you know, I it's I also feel like it's kind of yeah. a government regulation thing. I we've talked about this, um, you know, in terms of like, I don't know, my. It there's a I feel like there is there not like a cap where they can like of what they can pay out per stream or something like that. No, it's mm-hmm. I mean it's not a cap. It's a limit on how low they can pay out. Oh, that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. That's what it is. I knew you, I knew you would have the the right info there, but like yeah. you know a little help from the top wouldn't hurt anything. Like lo- it would be nice. Yeah, like regulate how low that cap is to like maybe two cents or something instead like, of the donate button. To me, is a little bit. It's it's like eating out at a restaurant and you've got to tip your waiter at the end of the night. Yeah. <laughs> like you should, it's the artists. They wrote the music. It wouldn't be there. You wouldn't have your business if it weren't for them. Yeah. But like you're still asking the people who are still paying you for your service. 
Yeah. To also pay the yeah. artists they're just listening like, to. Help us out. Like, we don't want to pay them actual dollars. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. fractions of pennies. I mean, I'm cu- I've I've never fully understood how the financial aspect of streaming works because you know, historically you have distribution through labels and you can see how much money exactly you're making off every mm-hmm. sale. And if your deal is structured as such, let's say the label advances you a million dollars and your takeaway of, ev- of every record sale is, you know, I don't know, 5% of each sale. And then you pay back the label out of your 5%, that million and everything after um, you keep or ha- whatever the interest is. I don't know. But like, and then we can see a direct line to profits, right? But with streaming, because it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're making money from advertisements, advertisers, and from people that are subscribing to the platforms. Um, it seems that there's a pool that, that exists through those. And then they pay out artists that are driving the most revenue to the platform. Mm-hmm. So like Taylor Swift obviously is getting a bigger cut of every stream mm-hmm. than someone like Hiatus Coyote is getting, right? Yeah. So I'm curious as to like, because that, then the way to talk about, okay, well, if, if they're getting X amount of dollars, well, what's left over afterwards and how much are your CEOs making? How much are your employees making per hour? And how many employees do you have? What are your server costs? And, you know, if it is that everyone's making, you know, a modest living and we're, uh, and then your platform has nothing left over, then okay, that sucks. Um, but if we're all making, <laughs> yeah. if you guys are all like making millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and we're here scraping, yeah. then I feel like there's got to be a different kind of deal worked out here you know how many people aren't on like the paid spotify and they're like taking those ads in every 15 20 minutes like those ad spots have to be so expensive they're making so much money well, dude spotify is not though they're they they're they're during covid they're uh um they like they made more money obviously but yeah. like after that, they've been noticing drops every quarter. Mm-hmm. So, and it, because there is the competition with YouTube and there's other platforms that are doing it, they could also take the hit um, that Spotify can't really afford to take. So, I don't know. I just like, I don't know how much money they're making. That's why I'm genuinely curious. There's a part of me, like the, yeah. the capitalist in me, is like, okay, well, I want to like understand understand why you're doing this because. You know, I'm trying like help me understand your predicament being the owner of this company or on the board of this company and why we're getting paid dog shit, right? But then the then the artist in me is like, why are we getting paid dog shit? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like this yeah. there's always this internal struggle with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want people to make money at the end of the day. That's yeah. all, you know. Us too. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> Nor was there anything else that you wanted to like dive into on like just your experience or just in general on the trans side of stuff that's like, you know, being a musician and all that before we move on to unpopular opinions and everything? Yeah, actually, I was just thinking that in my head because you were asking earlier, like if I was to give advice to to somebody who is going to start their transition, not to like dive headfirst into it, work on your voice. Okay. Oh, interesting. Work on your voice. Um, So that just to give a quick lesson. So for, for those who don't know 
with HRT if you are a trans man. Uh, when you start to take hormones, your voice is going to get deeper because you're going to start going through male puber puberty. And that's, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. If you've already been through male puberty and you are a trans woman and you start to take estrogen, it does nothing for your voice. Once mm. your vocal cords have thickened up, that's it. Mm -hmm. So it's up to you to train your voice um, so that people aren't going to clock you just by like they, you know, they hear the sound of your voice. It doesn't matter what you look like. They're going to call you, sir. That's and, an interesting thing that I never really fully thought about. I guess I just kind of thought that once you start going through hormone therapy, that mm -hmm. that stuff changes, but not if you're transitioning to become a woman. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So do you ever, do you feel like you're like, you get to a point where you don't have to try so hard with your voice or is that like something that you're always going to have to like make an effort on? I'm still consciously working on it every day right now. I'm actually uh, most of the way through a feminine voice course. Okay. There's um, a lot of different techniques, different people out there who teach it different ways. Uh, some people tend to get a little more scientific about it than I would like. I'm like, just explain the techniques so that I can practice them and get to where I need to be, where I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm. Um, that's it almost feels like the most difficult thing for me, personally speaking, has been like trying to figure out how to get my voice trained because it feels silly, especially when you're doing the exercises at first. Like some of them sound really funny. It's like so one of the techniques you've got to learn how to raise your larynx and keep it up there when you're when you're speaking. And the way they teach you how to learn how what that feels like in your throat is that you're either panting like a greyhound or you're panting like a chihuahua. Mm. Get that big, you know, that big dog's like. Oh, oh, oh. So when you start to pant like a chihuahua, then your larynx is going to go up. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's a little bit more, you know, a little bit closer to where a, a cis woman's voice is going to sit when they're speaking. Um, they tend to speak more. In, there's also a rhythm to it. They tend to speak more in threes, a little bit more bouncy, okay. uh, whereas men are more monotone. You start to learn all the different qualities of what you, what you hear in, in a woman's voice and try to learn how to apply that to your own. And if you, for whatever reason, can't get your voice out of the basement, um, this pitch, by the way, is not that important. A lot of people will put so much weight on pitch, but there are some women out there who have really deep, like raspy voices mm -hmm. and they're still obviously feminine. Um, so a lot of it comes from like resonance and intonation and vocal weight. Um, and you start to learn how to control those things. So we're like, you don't want to be too nasally, which is very common for a lot of trans women, but you also don't want to be too breathy. Because um, then it's just going to sound like you're dopey. <laughs> I have that problem just in general. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and music in a lot of ways has actually helped me, uh, helped me learn how to do this as well. It's like, so a woman's voice or women's voice in general on average sits somewhere around 220 hertz, which is an A3. Mm. So, like, knowing where that sits on a keyboard and being able to use, like, that common uh, warm-up that vocalists will use all, all the time, just, you know, going up a fifth, back down. Uh, I am not going to sing for you guys today, not without a keyboard. <laughs> I, this, is an interesting, this is an interesting thing because, okay, so you've, you were, you're, you're, you're not naturally a singer, right? You started teaching yourself how to sing later on. Yeah, thanks to Jeremy. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yep. he has that effect on people. <laughs> um, so what's so 
since since you're working on creating on getting your voice to be a higher pitch, how does this work for your range naturally when you're singing? No. That's the other thing that's been really cool about it. My my range is is going up because there some of the exercises are there solely to try and help you be more comfortable in a higher register because that's really straining on your voice at first when you're trying to just speak, you know, a third or a fourth higher than you're normally speaking. Um, and it's nice that I can make that reference. There's like a lot of trans people out there that don't have any music training can't make that reference. So it's much more difficult for them to figure things out. I feel like my background in music has given me an advantage here. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I didn't really have the motivation until recently to finally like start making a, a conscious effort on a daily basis to get it going. Because it feels so silly. Like I said, making those like noises and everything, especially if you've got roommates or you live with your partner or anything like that. You just like, you don't want to sound silly where you're trying to learn how to, how to train your voice. Especially when you're just like constantly, just like everything you're saying is at an, at an A3. Just yeah. like all day. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure that was a B flat, but that's it. Like I start memorizing pitches because like you just, when that's the pitch that you're aiming for every single day, you know where it is. You don't even have to like whip yeah. out your tuner anymore. Oh, okay. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. So do you, so you have relative pitch at least? Yeah. Okay. That, I, have, I have decent relative pitch, I think. Okay. Yeah. I would imagine that helps for sure. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's wild. So because you're training your voice to exist in this higher register, you're actually able to know pitches like this. This is like, it's like ear training. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. It's like, so when you get to some exercises, you do it at an A3, then you do it at a B flat. B, C, you're just slowly working your way up. Mm. And then once you've gotten to like D uh, or, or an E flat, you don't really want to, you don't need to go any higher than that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. If, if, yeah. if you can make it that high and not struggle with the exercises, then you're, you're going to be in, in good shape at that point. It's just being conscious about it and not letting yourself get comfortable around people that you're comfortable with. That's been really difficult for me. Like you're, oh, you're close yeah. Friends, they, they all know what you sound like. It's not going to be a big deal to them. But if you want to get to a point where you're consistent, where like if you talk in your sleep, you don't have to worry about it. You can't do that. So is there a point where people that people get to where the, you don't have to like what's that timeline look like i guess it depends on how much you're actually working on it and all that but like it's different for everyone um it's like z is one trans woman i know of on on youtube who gets uh, very in depth in in the way she teaches her lessons uh i want to say it took her like two or three years before she got to a point the program that i'm in now is built on uh schedule like 26 weeks if i remember right six years six months not six years half a year <laughs> um but you can continue on after that there's a like a facebook group that you can be a part of where there's um, bi-monthly vocal workshops i've got one i'm going to tonight nice um, where you can get like live feedback from the other people who are in the program and the person who developed it which is um it's been super helpful for me uh, and i listen to her and i'm just like how do you like you'd never know you would have no idea. And that's like kind of the end goal. It sucks that it has to be like that, that you have to, um, that's another concept in the community. You have to learn how to pass, so to speak, mm. to the point where you're stealth, you just blend in. Nobody has any idea. You can just go about your life. Um, that's kind of the end goal for a lot of trans people. And some of us don't have that option, unfortunately. Um, I feel pretty fortunate.
Um, uh, they don't have that option in... As in they're, they're just no amount of surgery or anything that they do because of the body that they've been given. Mm. Uh, by societal standards, they are never going to pass as, you know, being born that way. Okay, I see. Interesting. This is uh, such a interesting subject right now, obviously, just because of how, you know, you know, I guess controversial it is. And it's just interesting. I mean, like your experience being in a conservative place like Jacksonville and, you know, being a musician yeah. and, you know, this just Florida in general, I guess, uh, and just the experience. So I think there's, you know, hopefully the people that listen to this get something out of it. Do you feel like you've said everything that you want to say or is there anything else that you want to kind of touch on? Uh, I could talk about this forever if you let me, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Um, no, I, I think for the most part, I, I feel like I've gotten gotten my message out. You know, most importantly, like I like I said, just be authentic, just be yourself. And that goes for everybody, not yeah. not just trans people. Like that's mm. that's the one thing I think you can learn from us. Everybody can learn from us is to just just be yourself. And don't worry about what other people think or how they feel or what they believe about you. That doesn't matter. Yeah, just be yourself. Amen. And we talk about that. Everything every else week. will fall in place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's 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 kind of like a common theme here as well, especially being an artist and a musician and stuff. It's like that's authenticity mm -hmm. ultimately is what's going to work, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you guys want to do some unpopular opinions? Yeah, always. Let's do it, Chris. What you got? All right, cities should give you a refund on taxes if they don't provide the services that they say they're going to provide. <laughs> Interesting. You <laughs> should get like a little a little kickback. Yeah, um, like a tax rebate or something. Definitely. Um, looking at you, Jacksonville. Um, <laughs> this is the second time this has happened, and I've just got a vendetta at this point. So I'm using this as my platform to just go after them. But uh, um, this twice now, the city of Jacksonville has just stopped picking up recycling. Like on my whole street, they just don't do it anymore. What's that about? Yeah, that's not just that. That's like that's happened. That happened when we were living in Riverside, also. Yep. So it's just basically, just we're not recycling anymore. Yep, we just yeah. gave up on it. Um, don't do that. Give me the, like, don't do that. Come on, pick up my shit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> also, so it's not just. I'll give you another example too. It's not limited to recycling. This one's much more pressing. I and I haven't experienced this this personally, but working at UNF, they doing all these orientations. They give. Uh, there's like a safety one that they're giving out. Apparently, Jacksonville's 911 operators are swamped, and there's people like they're not picking up the phone when you call 911. You're not the first person I've heard talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. That's actually crazy. We should be getting paid for that. You know what I mean? Like if you're in an emergency <laughs> and like you call 911 and they just fucking send you to voicemail, are you kidding me? So every time you get sent no. to voicemail, is get paid. Yeah, you should get a check. I mean, at least your family because it might be fucked. You might be fucked. You know what I mean? Like, no, if they don't pick up and something happens that you get billed for, they should have to pay for it. A hundred percent. Um, so either, so either my unpopular opinion is city taxes are too high because look at the shit, you know what I mean? Or we should get a little kickback cause they're just not crushing it. You know, like they're, you know, the, I feel like Jackson, the city of Jacksonville is a tired mom with seven kids and she's, uh. you know, she's just like, she's trying, but <laughs> it's, it's, you know, she's one kid's over. He's got his hand in the kitchen disposal and the other kid drinking toilet water. It's just like, get it the fuck together guys. Well, I wonder I wonder why they're not recycling anymore, though. 
so like I said, it's the second time I've seen this happen at a house I've lived at, mm-hmm. and they just like trash still comes and picks up trash. Everyone on the street now has just left their bin out, hoping at some point, like it's even if it's not on the day, like that a truck will come by and just yeah. recycle all the stuff. But I've got a box of cardboard from February <laughs> that is just like. It's yeah. just sitting there waiting. It was like that in my neighborhood for about six months, I want to say. Six months. And th- their way of making up for it was putting some like recycling, uh, like the big recycling bins at Blue Cypress, the golf course on University right around the corner. And I would have to drive my recycling to these <laughs> So the only, <laughs> these the, bins. the only <laughs> compensation they get is just to give you a job to then. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's you, like, here, you throw this away. We've upgraded you to uh, employee now. Right. <laughs> yeah. From consumer to employee. Yeah. They should be paying us taxes. That's kind of what I'm getting at is like, look, all right, cool. I got to drive a mile to go drop off a cardboard box. Uh, yep. Here's my invoice for my gas. And this is my business rate. And uh, yeah, what are we paying for? Like, um, I'm going, I just hope that the city of Jacksonville doesn't try to audit this podcast oh boy. <laughs> after these last couple unpopular opinions. <laughs> Let's just hide all of our records in, in the recycling bin. They'll never see it. Yeah. All those records I keep. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll never see it. That's a good unpopular opinion. I like it. That's what I got. Uh, you got an unpopular opinion, Nora? I'm still thinking about it. You go for it. Okay. Let me pull up my phone. I keep... I have you so have a many. List? I have a. I have to. Otherwise, I'll forget I what they are. On I, I wasn't warned about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> um, okay, I can't stand this speak that's that they use on like TikTok and like YouTube and Reels when they're describing what's happening in a video. Mm-hmm. It's like a. Do 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 do. It's it's almost like it's like it's it sounds so like dismissive about something that I'm supposed to be into, and also it doesn't sound natural. Yeah, and I hate it. It makes it very hard for me to buy into whatever it is that's being explained to me, and it almost comes off a little condescending. Right, yeah, especially when the words show up on the screen yeah. as they're speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. We don't yeah. need this attitude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just it's like very, um, I don't I don't know. It just I just it drives me crazy, and I find it very hard to like listen to what's being talked about. Is it mostly like young people you see? I think it's really. I don't think it's limited to age. I think I've seen it like across the board. People that are explaining <laughs> anything, and it's like it's either this. So what's happening here is that this is going to happen and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay. Or it's like this other one where it's like, like, um, it's more like upbeat and peppy, Mm -hmm. but like, there's still (laughs) this, this air of it that doesn't sound human to me. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I am not a fan. And if we start speaking like this as a population, I think I might just check out (laughs) if it stays on TikTok fine but the minute you start seeing some kid that started watching tiktok when they were three start that's, walking around and going i don't know you know what i mean like if they start just using that's what it I'm saying, uh, yeah well i don't know i guess we just got to check these kids how do you feel about it nora does it bother you one way or the other it does bother me and, you, and that's actually you know what you gave me my unpopular opinion i can't stand that we're using like alternate spellings for certain words oh yeah as well yeah. especially like when you have to read sex as s-e-g-g-z oh yeah. nope like 
nobody spells it that way. Oh, but we're yeah. doing that now because of content filtering and people having their 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 uh, their videos being taken down. Yeah. Uh, or saying instead of saying um, they'll say unalive. Unalive. That. Um, yeah. Drives yeah. me crazy. <laughs> um, I know they didn't yeah. say that. Can you just can we stop with the with the bullshit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We everybody knows what you're saying, and when I hear unalive, all I can think in my head is suicide. Like yeah. that's like yeah. When, when you put the word in somebody's head, that's what saying a word is. So you're kind of saying it without saying it. And I'm like, just say it. Just like, why do we have to filter these things out? We all know what it is. Totally. And like the people, like we're, everyone can, they're consuming the content anyway. So it's like, clearly if they're consuming that content, the subject matter is not what's driving them mm -hmm. off of it. So yeah. just let, again, authenticity, let, let it be what it is. And just, if you don't want to consume it, just don't, don't you know, if yeah. you see something you like, you're like, Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. It, you can you can adapt your algorithm. You see, I don't want to see videos like this, and then you know it. Yeah. Your algorithm learns that, like, okay, I don't want to see that shit. Don't censor our shit because we want to see something uh, in, in the way that it is. Uh, you know, it's all because of monetization. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's like when you start putting that content in your videos, then like they'll let you keep playing it, but then it's demonetized, and suddenly you're not making any money. Right. So you have to spell it differently to get away with it and still get paid, but. Nothing's different, really. I know it's, <laughs> it seems like it seems silly to yeah. do that, and that's something that's really annoying to have to consider when you're putting out content. Is like, is then we don't know what words work and what words don't work until, mm -hmm. until we get in trouble work. for it. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just like it's a. It, I don't know. It's I. I'm with you. I think that's a terrible thing. It's so annoying, mm -hmm. and and now we might have to start looking into doing this on our clips too. I I mean I already censor everything. No, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's mm, I can't think of anything so far that but I'm sure we'll run into it at some point where there'll there'll be something, but like so far I don't think I can't think of anything that I that would have been had to not even censored but like Word swapped. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but uh, guess we'll figure it great, out. Another nightmare for me to think about all the time <laughs> when I'm editing for hours on end for my pod master. I mean, pod. Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th you know, I feel like this this stuff kind of comes in waves of like super policed and versus like a little more free and open. Like, and I I judge that by correctly or incorrectly by stand up comedy and like where that is and like how wild things, you know, how publicly or easily accessible that kind of stuff is. Like some of our favorite standups have been getting Netflix specials where they would have never gotten them before. Yeah. And so like Shane Gillis, Mark Norman, all these guys are like starting to get stuff on Netflix. I'm like, all right, cool. If they're getting on Netflix, we're about to get a wave of like a little more loose restrictions because these guys have been relegated to YouTube for not being, you know, for not kind of falling in line with the, clean comedy or the clean thing that like w is socially acceptable so the minute i start seeing like my raunchy favorite com comedians up there i'm like all right sweet we can now say fuck on instagram this is dope well <laughs> a, a good indicator of where culture is at mm -hmm. is the art you know yep. something else yeah. that we talk about a lot in the show yeah, just... fingers crossed <laughs> Um, Nora, thank you so much for being here today and talking about your story. Really appreciate it. Yeah, had a great time. Yeah. Thanks awesome. for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, comment, like, follow, all that good stuff. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Peace.